Alrighty, Wiz. Good evening, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Monday, and we got a few days to go until we get to the NFL Draft. Uh, I don't know about you, Wiz. Um, I caught some of these uh, draft highlights uh, on on. I guess it was some on NFL Network. ESPN had some stuff. I love that thirty for thirty, the 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 Marino and Elway draft. Uh, I saw the one yesterday where the Jets took Kyle Brady over Warren Sapp. There's always lots of excitement when it comes to the draft. I know you are pumped up for this season's draft. Oh, yeah, I am, I am really, really fired up about this uh, draft. I think this is going to be a terrific draft uh, for, for a myriad of reasons. Uh, you know, the players, the talent, the 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 excitement of, of uh, you know, the – unpredictability about what's going to happen uh, early enough, if there's going to be some trade-ups, who's going to be taken, uh, the teams that are in play, because, you know, it's unusual to have teams that are picking this early that are real contenders, like the Dolphins are a big part of this draft, and they're an ascending team. The 49ers are looking to bounce back in a big way, and they're in the three spot. I mean, I, I think, you know, you have some Interesting teams picking, and uh, the trajectory of their franchise, uh, I think, is going to hinge on what happens uh, over you know the, the few days of the draft. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And t- look, talent evaluation, talent, talent evaluation is is something that you know. I know, I know. There, are guys like Mel Kiper Jr., Todd McShay, you know, people like ourselves talking about the draft. It, you know, you 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 do what you can, and you observe, you read, and you try to figure out what's going on. I will say one observation that I do have coming into this draft, and it's kind of. This is a topic that you and I have been talking about a lot, actually. And and, and the one position that I feel that, it, just like in, in, in kind of how we've been dealing with it when it comes to fantasy, but I find it interesting that the running back position, you know, you don't really, outside of the top couple of guys, there's not a lot of discussion about the position. You, you go a little bit further down the line when you're talking about quarterbacks, uh, when you're talking about even cornerbacks, when you're talking about wide receivers. And the respect that the running backs, who, who basically don't have the same level of respect as they did many years ago, I get that sense coming into this draft that that's the position that we're not talking about. We're probably talking about running backs less than any other position. Do you, do you agree with that? Because I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with a few of these guys that are outside, like kind of the top five to seven guys. Uh, there's one guy I've got my eye on from a particular school. He didn't even play any games last year. He opted out. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Do you feel that the running back position is getting that kind of slight once again, as we've been seeing kind of in the fantasy world? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I think yes to answer your question, but I have to say I think it is deserved because. I feel last year's running back class crushed this year's running back class. And if it wasn't for the fascination of, of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, there would have been no running backs taken in the first round. And I just feel uh, guys like J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor are heads and shoulders above the running backs in this class, for the most part. Uh, I mean, at least in terms of a round evaluation. So to answer your question, I think yes, but I, I think it's deserved. I mean, if someone said to me, what's the percentage of a running back being taken in the first round in this draft? Honestly, I'd put it around 50-50. Yeah, I haven't looked, uh, you know, speaking of 
percentages and stuff, I, I haven't taken a close look, and, and you and I are, are, are going to pay a lot more attention. We, we've talked about this already, uh, and, and looking at prop bets and, and different things that are going on on, on sites like DraftKings. Uh, have, you, have you taken a look at some of the, uh, some of the particular bets, or, or, or are you still waiting for some stuff to come in? I know there was a few selections on individual players on which teams they could go to. I think there's players that kind of fall into the top 32. I think I've seen some of that. Um, are you expecting more categories to be added to this uh, as we get closer to the draft? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, as it gets closer, um, they put an under and over, I think, on just about every player in the first round. Wow, uh, okay. Which makes it, uh, it, makes it very, very interesting. Uh, um, I know last year I got some uh, odds, a little bit of odds. Uh, I think it was plus like 120 that Okuda – whether Okuda would be taken with the number two overall pick, and I had that one right. So yeah, I think I think they make lines on some of the spots, and then they take a player and they just put like under and over. Like they'll take a player and say under and over, fifth, you know, the fifteenth and a half pick will be taken before that or or after that. So there's a lot of stuff, and if it's out there, yeah, I think we could have some fun discussing that as well as. Uh, as uh, doing a mock draft. So I, I found one thing kind of interesting is, uh, you know, you, you've alluded to this multiple times. I know kind of how you feel the direction that the Atlanta Falcons are, are probably heading in in this draft. But today got word uh, that Julio Jones's name was kind of being tossed around in, in, in trade talks. And I think when you think about, you know, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage kind of came on as the season went on, especially Julio missing seven games this year. You know, we've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about Julio Jones and our feeling about him, especially now as a a 32-year-old player. We've seen kind of the direction that things have been heading to for a player like A.J. Green, for example. Uh, And and this is, again, not to dismiss the talent of Julio Jones, but he's 32. There's a lot of wear on the tires. He's missed a lot of playing games uh, over the last five seasons. And I found it kind of interesting that his name's kind of crept into trade rumors Rumors uh, as we're heading into draft night. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think I can't blame Atlanta if somebody wants to bowl them over for Julio Jones. I think you know Atlanta should probably take them up on it. I mean, I, I just feel like Julio Jones and and Matt Ryan, you know, kind of like you know, there's not going to be with the organization that much longer so yeah you may see uh based on a trade of julio and depending on who atlanta um drafts you may see the writing on the world on the, on the wall for those for those uh for those two players but uh do you think if something's done for julio it'll be done before the draft draft night post draft how, how do you what, what makes most sense, do you think? Yeah, it makes sense that it happens probably before the draft. Like, it, that, that makes the most sense to me. Uh, but, you know, again, stranger things have happened. Draft, we've seen players traded on draft night. But, but to me, probably beforehand, and I don't know, somebody steps up, do they, do they really think Julio can provide them with, with, with a, a boost that no other player, um, you know, in this draft or in the league can do so? Then, you know, a team, a team may pursue that. But that personally would not be me. I, I, you know, again, I don't dismiss the player's talent. I, I just I, I, I grow very concerned in terms of the wear and tear on the player, particularly on his lower body. So, so, but I think it would happen before, uh, like or like a few hours before the draft type of thing. Yeah, I, I can see that. That's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting thing. And I know we touched about. You know, you brought this up uh, 
the other day. Um, man, I love what Kansas Kansas City's done with that offensive line between free agency, guys opting back in, the long out of retirement, um the you know, the the three I mean, I, I just I, I love what Kansas City's done. It's like they said, Okay, you know, this is what cost us a Super Bowl and uh they've put that offensive line back together in a, in, a, in a big way, and yeah, they don't have a first round pick, but man, they they I, I think they've done a terrific job um, realizing what their weakness was and addressing it. Uh, no question, and and I think you know you mentioned this that obviously in the Super Bowl it was it, this past year it was something that definitely plagued them, and you know Patrick Mahomes was playing injured, you know, late in the season uh, a bit, you know, a little bit banged up. Uh, you know, I think the fact of the matter is, you know, you, you don't want a player like that running for his life. And, you know, when we came into the offseason, uh, it, you know, basically – the Kansas City Chief offensive line was turned on its ear, and now they've done such a great job in kind of restoring uh, the, the talent around Patrick Mahomes and, and the elite offensive players in this offense. So it's good news for Kansas City, uh, you know, on, on a fantasy side of things. I, I will say, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, I happened to be listening to the fan one day. Uh, I forget who was actually having a discussion on this. And the fan is a local radio station for people outside the New York metropolitan area. It's our, it's our sports radio station, just to make sure uh, to, to be clarified there. Um, but basically, uh, in, in this particular draft, and Peter King also alluded to this today uh, in speaking to a general manager who felt like the defensive line position in coming into this draft was a very, very weak one. And the conversation went around that you almost should pay because the rules have changed so dramatically in favor of the offense that when it comes to when it comes to a draft like this you've got to be able to outscore the other opponents and we talked a lot about this last year especially in the AFC West where teams had to kind of stay with the Kansas City Chiefs on the offensive side of the ball. And I think the Chargers have done that. Uh, it remains to be seen, you know, for the Raiders in that division. And obviously the Broncos have assembled some talent in terms of skill set positions. There's still question marks around Drew Locke. Do you kind of agree with that notion that, you know what, this is just a scoring league. That's the way it's going to be. You got to play fast break. You got to have the horses on offense. And defense is a kind of a secondary story. I want to hear your take on that. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. That's the way the game is headed, and I agree that some teams may take on that philosophy. But if it hasn't worked for you in the past, and you saw the Cowboys, let's use them as the example, was you know they had they had that offense working on all cylinders, and they were putting up thirty, forty points a game. They were getting you know destroyed. Their defense couldn't stop anyone. So while the the idea and the and and, and the fascination of of adding a player like Kyle Pitts, you know, it may make that attractive to you, you're still not going to be able to stop anybody. You're still not going to be able to stop the other team from you know taking the ball and then running it down your throat in time of possession. And and on top of that, you're going to be giving away future picks. So I, I think it depends on. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. I think, you know, people people going into this draft are fascinated with this third pick from the 49ers. I know that you have hesitancy about it. A lot of people also feel that 
they didn't move up to take Matt Jones. I feel they did that they want a player like, you know, Trey Lance or Justin Fields, a more exciting type of player, you know, that Matt Jones is the type of guy that you they could have gotten at pick 12, maybe so. But to me, what's not getting talked about enough is the Cincinnati pick at five because they, I believe, will have a chance between a tackle that is the best in the draft that can protect Joe Burrow, which is so important, or to your point, and a player like Jamar Chase, who's not only the best receiver, but has the rapport with Joe Burrow from LSU, and Joe Burrow must be telling them, they must be asking Joe Burrow for, asking him about what kind of player, what kind of guy he is, what kind of leader, how's he in the locker room, only insights that, a, that someone like Joe Burrow could give them. So to your point, is perfect for this. Do they take someone that is going to protect their quarterback, or are they saying we have a chance to have the number one receiver in the draft who, on top of being the elite receiver in the class, has a connection with our second-year quarterback, and are we going to take him? I think the Cincinnati pick at five is the most fascinating pick of a choice of two players that a team is going to make in this entire draft. Yeah, and I think most likely the way I mean, we, we're going to do a mock draft on Thursday, um, and the, the way we see this kind of playing out will we'll come out in that. But I think, you know, by, by all accounts, I think we kind of feel that it's down to two players, right? It, the two players you mentioned. Yeah, I think, uh, but, but to, 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 to what you just brought up, I've seen a real shift from. Sewell, 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 no doubt. It's going to be Sewell. you got to protect him. You saw the way it ended for Joe Burrow last year. To your point, and now I, I see that it's right now about 50-50 with people convinced that if Jamar Chase is there at five, they're going to take that player to go with the quarterback that they have that connection with. So uh, it's very interesting. But I think you bring up a, a great point that they realize that the game today is an offensive game. And uh, sure, you'd love to get a great offensive tackle. But if you could add an elite receiver, you know, to a T. Higgins, uh, who they drafted last year, you know, you may have something there. So that what what a, what a choice that's going to be for Cincinnati at five. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, and 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 actually, if it ends up panning, like I'm looking at the way things could play out here, and let's let's assume Mac Jones goes to San Francisco, Kyle Pitts goes to Atlanta, and that pick ends up being, you know, either of those players. What then becomes quite interesting, you know, we're talking, we, we've not mentioned Trey Lance yet, we've not mentioned Justin Fields yet. Uh, we know the Patriots are looming in the in the background. They need a quarterback. We know there's a team like the Denver Broncos who are not exactly sure about Drew Locke and what he's going to mean for this team kind of going forward. We know, well, we think that that Sam Donald is going to be given an opportunity here, but I don't know. You know, is there is there a chance that Carolina does something crazy? So there's so many different moving parts that kind of fall into place as a result of other things that are happening. So there are a lot of corollaries that go into this particular draft. And yeah, it'll be the the, the most interesting drama of, of all of Thursday night and, and to see how this all kind of shakes out. I, I want to go back to one thing. And, and, you know, we talked about the Kansas City Chief Baltimore Raven trade. The Ravens now have two picks in that in the first round. Um, there was some noise around Lamar Jackson in terms of what he's going to mean for the Baltimore Ravens as their franchise quarterback. Now, 
Uh, again, I don't want to jump the gun here. Uh, I, you know, we haven't talked extensively about kind of that next five quarterbacks in this particular draft. I think there'll probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of 10, 11 quarterbacks taken in the draft as a whole. Uh, but, but the Ravens moving back into the first round for a second time. It, and, and there's some noise around Lamar Jackson. And, and you and I both know Lamar Jackson does have his limitations to an extent. Uh, you, you had your reservations about him as the number one quarterback last year coming into the draft. That played out perfectly. But could we see a scenario where maybe one of those guys, I don't know if it's a Trask or, 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 or someone like Mills or Mond, is there a possibility that the Baltimore Ravens, who, who have always led by a GM like Newsom in, in the past, is it possible that they could draft a quarterback with one of those picks? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, re, I really don't. I think I think the Ravens are going to try and address two, two needs. One is they, again, they're going to stick to what they do, and that's run the ball. Uh, and, and, and they tra- you know, trade an offensive lineman. I think they're going to try and draft an offensive lineman uh, with one of those picks. And then I, I think they're going to try and hit a home run with a receiver uh, with, another, with their other pick. I'm not sure the order of how they're going to go about it. That, you know, that can be on the same page with um, Lamar Jackson because, you know, a couple of years ago, they drafted Miles Boykin, and I really like the player out of Notre Dame, but there is 0.0% rapport connection between those two guys. There just, there just isn't. And uh, Lamar Jackson throws certain passes well. He throws a seam pass well, but he doesn't throw a lot of passes well, and that, those are the type of routes that Miles Boykin runs. So I think they're going to try and – Get another offensive lineman and find a receiver that is a better fit for um, for Lamar Jackson because Boykins has no connection. Uh, to count on Sammy Watkins playing 16 games. Oh, forget about that guy. I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about Sammy Watkins. So you I'm... know, I, I know how you feel, so it's oh. unlikely. And I don't know. Let me ask you about it. Let me ask you about Hollywood Brown. So after after what you've seen, do you feel like things should be better? Like Hollywood Brown should be a top fifteen guy? To me, it's impossible from a fantasy perspective to figure out which week it's going to be five for one forty nine and two touchdowns, or two for seventeen. You know, and, and, and no touchdowns. I mean, you know, what, how do you feel? I mean, do you think that Hollywood, Hollywood Brown should be putting up better numbers than he is? Or, you know, you just feel like it is what it is with that offense? All right. So Hollywood Brown is, is a diminutive receiver. Uh, we, we know he had Kyler Murray throwing to him in college. Uh, I would say I came into last season expecting a big, big jump in production. I think I drafted, you know, in the six leagues I'm in, I think I had Hollywood Brown in four of them. So I came in with high expectations, and the beginning of the season was, was very disappointing, uh, to say the least. Um, he had a 100-yard game, I think, in, in week one. And then, if you remember, kind of mid-season, he started squawking a little bit about you know his usage in the offense. I think he he said something on on Twitter about it, and, and they started throwing him the ball uh, a little bit more. I think he had some, if I'm not mistaken, he actually had a pretty good game in the playoffs again this year. Um, but he definitely made a lot more noise in the second half of the season. He had six touchdowns 
over the course of the last seven weeks. Um, and I, I was correct, by the way. He had 109 yards against the uh, Tennessee Titans on nine targets, seven catches, no touchdowns during the playoffs. But you know, look, I'm not giving up on Hollywood Brown yet. I think they've if Hollywood Brown is on another team, they're making much better usage of the player. Uh, I think part of it is is just I think there is an inability of, of Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned, to, to make every throw or the type of throws that it takes. But but I like Hollywood Brown. I'm not about to give up on, on the guy just yet. You know, we like both of those receivers that they also took last year. They took James Prochet out of SMU. Uh, Devin Duvernay, we thought that was like a sneaky pick, but just, there was never able connection. So so that's why I'm kind of wondering this noise around Lamar Jackson. Is, is there maybe some skepticism about the player in, on a long-term basis in this offense? I just, look, uh, what's his name? Uh, Griffin, who they had backing up. Um, now, Robert Griffin had injury issues, but that was a flame that got extinguished relatively quickly after a big start in his career. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is going in that direction, but you know you do have to wonder like what his viability is long term in the NFL. That that's that's all I would say. I'll tell you, I'm starting to think after watching the Ravens closely the last couple of years that the general manager is outperforming the head coach, and it's one thing. To like, you know, to to blame it on the offense of Lamar Jackson with, you know, not having the connection with the receivers. And, you know, you could pin that on Lamar Jackson. That's fine. But I thought from an organizational standpoint, they made terrific picks. But when you watch them play, maybe you can explain this to me. Like like Denzel Washington said in the movie Philadelphia, explain this to me like I'm a two-year-old. What took them 14 games to give J.K. Dobbins the, the lion's share of the carries? No idea, actually. And, and I think we watched that and we were kind of wondering, because we, we had seen him early in the year and he was the guy breaking off things left and right whenever he got the opportunity. Mark, Mark Ingram was a shell of himself from the previous year. You know, a, a year older, 31, 32 years old. I, I don't know. I, yeah, so to your point, yeah, maybe maybe there's, maybe you got to start looking in the mirror, Mr. Harbaugh, and, 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 and doing the right things. But I, I felt last year, like I said, that... I felt that Brown was going to make a step up. Didn't happen. It took a little bit of time. He ended up finishing the year with eight touchdowns and almost 800 yards, but I thought it would have been a much better season. And like I said, those those young receivers on this team, I thought they had an opportunity to, to, to make something happen here, and it just didn't shake out. Now, I think you're right. I think they're going to draft another receiver because the, you know they, they did lose Willie Sneed, and as you mentioned, Boykin's just not, not evolved in this offense. So really can't, can't account on, on Watkins. And going back to the Dobbins thing for a second is, look, you know, I respect Mark Ingram. He's been a, he's been a good player for a few different teams, and uh, he, he does everything well. And Gus Edwards runs downhill and he runs hard. But the difference between J.K. Dobbins and those two players is if you give the same opening and, and the line gives the same hole to all three players, Edwards and Mark Ingram may get 78 yards. J.K. Dobbins may go for 70 on you. I mean, I, I just feel it was a, just not a good use of the player and such a lack of creativity with Devin Duvernay. You know, just I don't understand how they didn't get him on the field more and just didn't give him jet sweeps, bubble screens, more where he's touching the ball three, four times a game. The guy is a complete 
plane acre with unbelievable speed. I, I just feel a lack of use with those two players, and I'm starting to get concerned about the head coach not utilizing some of these players the right way because I thought the draft the, the draft uh, that the Ravens had uh, has been terrific. I just feel like some of these players have not been utilized correctly and. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But I'm definitely I, you know, I'm not I, fighting I, you. I'm not fighting you on that point. In fact, I was screaming my head off on draft night when when it came to the Packers pick before the Ravens that they should take Duvernay, which they didn't, of course. And I, I and I just yeah, did, you could rest assured that Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers would oh. have figured out. Now I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is the is the passer that uh, that Aaron Rodgers is, but you don't have to be. You know, I, I you just get him the ball, just get him the ball. I mean, I just don't understand the, the just over and over again with Ingram and Jake and and Edwards. I mean, they're, they're fine players, but you have. Dobbins and Duvernay, you have got to get them more uh, of a part of the offense, and they they just didn't do it at all. No, not at all. So I I, I want to tackle two more points b- b- before uh, we we wrap up here. If you have anything in addition to add, uh, go right ahead. So uh, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the, the, that second group of quarterbacks. So let's say you know guys like Mills, as I mentioned, Trask, Mon. Could you see, when do you see those guys starting to go? And and who do you think are the teams that kind of would be targeting players like that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I see, I could see Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't know if they would use their last pick in the first round to take a quarterback this year, but man, their 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 team is all back, and it's a perfect opportunity. I see them taking a quarterback in this draft, um, and you know, I I don't think it'll be a situation like we had with Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, last year uh, with that with you know the quarterback was so insulted, and uh, and so I. I see them taking some depth picks on defense and at some point taking a quarterback. They're in play to take a quarterback. Pittsburgh has got to take a quarterback in this draft. They have got to take a quarterback in this draft. And uh, the, the problem is where they're picking is none of those original, the, the top five guys are going to be there unless they make a, a, a trade up, which is probably not their style. So, again, something similar. Uh, where they're going to take a quarterback and probably use one of their second-round picks, I mean a second-round pick or third-round pick. But the one team that's sitting in a position to do something about it are the Patriots. And um, they're a team that likes to trade down, but this is the type of draft where you may have to trade up. So I see you know, these teams, Tampa Bay, making a quarterback pick and and defensive depth. Pittsburgh may be using a pick, but they're not going to be able to take a quarterback that has first-round grade, first grade talent with that first pick because none of them are going to be available. But New England sitting there in the middle of the first round, um, they need a quarterback, and uh, they could do something about it because they're not going to have to move up that many picks to get a quarterback. 
All right, and, and going back to the running back position, uh, you know, we have we have a lot of Jet and Steeler fans that listen to this podcast. I, I, I thought the Jets did did some good things at running back last year with the young guys uh, who they have on their roster. They added uh, Tevin Coleman. Uh, so there's some talk about them potentially taking a running back with that second pick in this draft. Um, we know that the Pittsburgh Steelers' name has been mentioned. Obviously, Connor's moved on to Arizona. Benny Snell really didn't shake a lot of heads. The kid McFarlane that they drafted last year really didn't do anything at all. Uh, aside from those two teams, well, actually, I'll ask you, you know, so, so do you see a running back going in the first round, and who do you think the most likely teams are to be looking at the running back position? Yeah, I mean, as, as I said a little while ago, I, I, I was putting it about 50-50 whether a, quarter, whether a running back is going to be taken. If Pittsburgh has somebody that they love, uh, then it makes more sense for them to take a running back with their first pick than a quarterback uh, with their first pick because, like I said, none of the first-round, first-graded round guys are going to be available at quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, I could see them taking Etienne, Javante Williams, uh, Najee Harris with uh, with, with that with their first round pick, they're they're definitely in play, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised with the first pick of the second round, um, Jacksonville uh, taking a running back because they there's just no they have we talked about this is James Robinson and there's nobody there, and what could be very very interesting is similar to uh, Joe Burrow Jamar Chase. Imagine if Jags take. Um, Trevor Lawrence with the first pick, and then his running back, uh, Travis Etienne, with their first round, with their first pick in the second round. Well, the so, only the only thing Jacksonville did as as, Jacksonville did add yeah. Carlos Hyde, right? Yeah, they had, they have Carlos Hyde as well, but you know they they might you know look this is you know Urban Meyer and he's bringing in and you know he he may he may want to you know bring that connection in there. I could I could see that, um, but as far as like the first round. Pittsburgh, I, I just don't think I see a lot of teams that are going to use a first-round pick on a, on a running back. I, I don't feel any of these running backs warrant, like, clearly a first-round pick, especially, you know, none in the top 20. So uh, right off the bat, if someone said to me which team in the first round would take a running back, I would just say Pittsburgh because I think they're better off going running back and then taking a quarterback further on in the draft. Yeah, I, tell you, I was just just thinking about the draft a lot. Do you realize that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be picking four times in the top forty-five? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. they, they're going to they'll be picking four times before the Texans will pick once. Uh, unbelievable. Just, just unbelievable, unbelievable. So, yeah, look, we we love this night. It's a, it's a very exciting time. Uh, I, I'm 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 super pumped up for it. Uh, it's going to be a different feel. Certainly, the oddity of last year will 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 will, will definitely be will feel a lot different. So excited to see you know people in person and uh, you know really excited for Thursday night and uh, it, it'll be a fantastic draft. Do you have any further points to add or? The one that I did want to just add one thing, you know, just looking at this draft, the one team that's picking early in this draft that I think is almost impossible to try and say this player is going to go there are the Detroit Lions picking at seven because I can absolutely see a trade down. I could definitely see them looking at wide receiver considering there's not much depth at wide receiver. If an offensive lineman, if the Bengals do something with that five pick that maybe a lot of people didn't and then taking a skill player at five, 
I could see an offensive lineman being there at seven. Could I see them taking a young quarterback? Possibly. Uh, so, and, and help on the defensive side of the football, maybe it would be too early to take a cornerback, but I look at, at, at these teams that are picking early, and I look at the Lions, and boy, it is very, very difficult to try and pin a player for the Detroit Lions with that seventh pick. Yeah, and I think, look, it, it, I mean, I don't think this is going to happen, but is there a scenario where the Lions have, 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 have Jamar Chase at the, you know, at, at their option, as an option? Is it a possibility? I'd be I think they'll have a better chance. I mean, I think it's more likely that they'll have the two Alabama receivers because I believe that Jamar Chase doesn't make it past Miami, who's the player I think they were going to take at number three. So um, I, I think it's more of a likelihood that they'll have to choose between the two Alabama guys. And that's only, only if... If, uh, if, if like, Panay Sulu has been taken already. Correct. Otherwise, you know, they may, they, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be picking uh, seventh and saying, what the heck is this guy still doing available at seven and take a tackle? So I could see a, certainly a trade down. I just think, you know, with these other teams, it's kind of like, okay, are they going to go tackle us, wide receiver? Are they going to go quarterback or, or, or a pass catcher or, like, 49ers, which quarterback? But when it comes to the Lions picking at seven, Good luck trying to figure out how that's going to go. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. All right, so we're going to talk again on Thursday. You know, before Thursday, there was we haven't talked about this at all. Um, and, and coming off that unbelievable, you know, talk about talent evaluation. And this is a guy who's and an, an, now granted we're talking about baseball here, ninth round draft pick. But what Jacob Degrom did on on Thursday, what he's doing right now statistically is just incredible. Uh, Friday night, just an, a lights out performance, complete game. It was great to see him walking back out there in the ninth inning he will be facing the Red Sox on on Wednesday night so you do get a little appetizer for some good sports action but what Jacob DeGrom is doing at the moment is unbelievable 0.31 ERA Uh, I think he is actually if I'm not mistaken uh, I think he almost has I think he's given up 11 hits and he has six hits of his own this season that's how dominating this player has been to start the season. So I don't want to get too far off football here because football is on everybody's mind. But uh, we haven't talked a lot about Jacob DeGrom, but boy, oh boy, just just so special what he's doing. Yeah, it's exciting to be a Mets fan. And even if you're not a Mets fan, just watching him on the mound is something to behold. Wow, does he have electric stuff. It uh, brings it to, to guys like me and you back to the old days when 41 was on the mound for the Mets. Uh, with his electric stuff, talking about, of course, the great Tom Seaver. Um, just, just it's something, it's something to behold in a game uh, where it just seems offense and runs and home runs are what's talked about. He just goes out there and just dominates every single time he's on the mound. Yeah, and you know we lived through you know Mark Bird Fidrich. We lived through Fernando Mania. Obviously, Doc Gooden was here too. Uh, you know because the media world was a little bit different as time went on. But this is must to me. It's must see TV when Jacob Degrom takes the mound. So uh, and, I, and I just want, I just want to add one other thing. He is some hitter too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, he, he is. Takes his- 
Yeah, I mean, he is no automatic out by any means. He means business when he's up at that plate with yeah. the bat in his hands. Definitely dual threat. So, well, there'll be a lot of dual threats on, on display on Thursday night. Uh, really excited for the draft. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. That's when we'll be back. Uh, we're going to be doing a mock draft on Thursday. Uh, really excited about that. Uh, we are on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. But super pumped up for that draft. And Wiz, we are going to talk about it because we, we have not done a mock draft. And we'll be doing it on Thursday. So I wish you a good rest of the evening. And I will speak to you on Thursday. You got it. You do the same. Thanks a lot.